0: Hi, I'm Darren Ride and I'm Tim Beetle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Hey! Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Ride and I'm alone today. My friend Tim Beetle is not available. Hopefully before long we'll be back back together on the show. Have we set the bar too low to be effective disciple makers? Lately, I've been working through a book that my friend Tim Biela gave me. It's called Contagious Disciple Making by David Watson and Paul Watson. And it is one of the more challenging books I've read in a long time. I I consider it right now, as I read it, probably the best book I've read in the last couple of years. And I've read some good ones lately, Uh, notably uh, the book by Doug Baltzer on reestablishing Deliverance and healing ministry is a part of disciple making. Light up the dark, it's called. But in this book here, it starts out right in the introduction. This is, this is how it starts out of the gate. It's basically a fellow having a conversation, a grappling with God about his calling. He says, God, I can't plant churches anymore. I didn't sign on to love people, train people, send people and get them killed. Six men I had worked with had been martyred over the last 18 months. Six men, this fella, David Watson, had been discipling, had been murdered in the past 18 months. Obviously discipling in a different context than we are used to disciple in. And there's been a lot of challenging thoughts like that through this book. But when it came to chapter 12 on prayer, for me this is really where the rubber started to meet the road and I started asking myself the question, are we setting the bar too low to be effective in disciple making? Are we not even on the field when it comes to playing quote the game of disciple making this is the start of chapter 12 please please listen as i read it in a meeting of the top 100 disciple makers in our ministry we looked for common elements among those high producing leaders each of these disciple makers along with the teams they led started more than 20 churches per year one group started more than 500 churches in the previous year now these are to be fair these are micro churches not you know, large churches of two or three hundred or whatever. These are micro churches that, you know, grow from there, but that's their definition of a church. And it's, it's a proper definition. It's an established group of believers. We found many common elements among the different groups, but the only element that was present in every team was a high commitment to prayer. These leaders spent an average of three hours per day in personal prayer. They spent another three hours in prayer with their teams every day. These leaders were not full-time religious leaders. In fact, most of them had regular jobs. They started their days at 4 a.m. and by 10 a.m. were at work. These top performers also spent one day per week in fasting and prayer. The whole team spent one weekend per month in fasting and prayer. As we started looking at disciple-making movements worldwide, we made a critical observation, a prayer movement precedes every disciple-making movement there are two sides to catalyzing a prayer movement. First, we must become people of prayer. Second, we need to mobilize people to pray. Again, so so challenging just to hear of the depth of commitment, the, the focus. We talk in 12 Church about, about being all in on mission with Jesus. And we, when I read stories like this about martyrdom, about a life completely immersed in prayer and some other things, it makes me wonder how all in are we really and what are we comparing ourselves to? What is the bar we, we think we're clearing when we say that we are all in? A little later in the chapter, he talks about mobilizing people to pray. When the movement among the Bajpuri began to gather momentum, the prayer network contained more than 100,000 people before the internet and email really took off. Talks about another disciple-making movement that had 1,500 people committed to praying at least one hour a week. He says, we talk to missionaries who who say, I've been doing the stuff you said in your training. Nothing's happening. Disciple making movement stuff just won't work here. We sympathize and ask some questions. In many cases, the missionaries work very hard. They often have a pretty good personal prayer life. When we dig a little deeper, however, we find their prayer network is pretty small. Usually a hundred people or less. Which sounds, you know, not like a small group to me. We also discover their communication with their network consists of a monthly newsletter and the occasional emergency prayer request email. While this may sound good, this level of communication with a prayer network this small is not likely to support any disciple-making movements. If you're a disciple-maker, you need to recruit, train, and mobilize an extensive prayer network, whether you earn your living as a disciple-maker or earn it another way. If you do not have a well-developed prayer network, you'll be frustrated and disappointed as a disciple maker. Again, a pretty high bar, not just for personal prayer, but also for calling other people to pray. Not just calling a few dozen, but hundreds, even thousands to back you up in prayer. This, you know, this real, recognizes that the battle we're in, in discipling is a spiritual battle that is not one with just logic and human effort. And again, I ask the question, Are we setting the bar too low? Just this morning, I heard an interview in the Kansas City Underground podcast with a fellow who's uh, been engaged in India, as well as West Africa, in disciple-making movements, in Christians who are in persecution. He talks about this this training program they have for disciple-making. It's a 10-month program, and it's it's a weekly attendance. And a lot of this takes place in places where Christianity is suppressed, if not openly persecuted. But the basic commitment of those who are in this disciple-making training is that every single week they will share the gospel with five people and they'll teach two other Christians what they've learned in their disciple-making group. And they report back on that every single week. And so again, I'm, I'm asking myself the question, are, are we setting the bar too low? When we call people to follow Jesus, what are we actually calling them to? When we call people to be disciples who make disciples, what are we calling them to? In in what I call standard church, traditional church, you know, the bar is basically show up and give, maybe serve in some way. And that's the commitment, a fairly compartmentalized commitment. In, you know, maybe some of our more, uh, focused disciple making movements, some alternative church networks, perhaps like the one we're involved with in 12 church and others, you know, we're calling people to, I don't know if it's a higher level commitment to a different focus for sure. We're, We're calling people to an integrated life of disciple making. But I again find myself asking the question, are we setting the bar too low? And when we don't see the fruit that we expect do we write it off as being in quote, a hard place, a hard nation? You know, if, if what we see in these disciple making movements over there, if, if the groundwork that they're laying over there, you know, thousands of people praying for disciple makers who are training people every week, who are sharing the gospel every week, who are sharing their lessons with other Christians every week. If we had that foundation here, would we maybe see some of the results we are seeing over there? In a recent study, it wasn't really a study, it was more a look at Doug Balter's book on, on the light of the dark, on healing and deliverance. We often talk about how, you know, how come the miracles are over there? And how come, you know, all the, all the flashy stuff is over there? Well, maybe maybe that prayer foundation is a big part of it. In fact, I'd say more, more than maybe. And I've had to ask myself uh, on the personal level, not on the, the organization level, are we setting the bar too low? But on the personal level, am I setting the bar too low? am i expecting god to show up and do stuff when i when i pray some cursory prayers when i you know put in some some token effort when i am quote all in in comparison maybe to some people but in comparison to those who are really all in who are laying their lives on the line i heard in this podcast i listened to this morning about a pastor who was in a in a Muslim-dominated area. In fact, they were just down the street from a mosque. And this fella was doing a, a disciple-making training with these people. And as part of the regular training, people would go out and share their faith. And he he suggested to this pastor that maybe they shouldn't do that given where they were. The pastor said, No, we have to do that here. That's that's part of it. And so they went out and shared their faith. And had some interesting interactions with some of these Muslims who never heard the gospel in that measure. But then this disciple-making trainer left. And uh, some of the people from the mosque showed up and beat the pastor. Then the police showed up. And it sounds like they beat the pastor again. And eventually they they gathered together. Uh, a bunch of imams and a bunch of law enforcement officers, and wanted to see the propaganda that this this group of Christians was teaching. And so, this large group sat down and watched with this pastor the Jesus film. And that's that's all I know about the story. But the pastor said that that the opposition was expected, but that God uses the opposition, even the persecution, even the beating, and the the running with law enforcement as an avenue to share. gospel. They expected it, and they're willing to pay that price for the sake of the gospel. Am I setting the bar too low? Am I backing off too easily? Are we holding back for fear of ridicule or marginalization? Because really, for the most part, those of us engaged over here in North America do not face persecution yet, and we're actually much further away from that uh, than some people seem to think. Some seem to think we're actually being persecuted now. No, we're, we're really not. Uh, there is increasing opposition and hostility, to be sure. Some of it is self-induced. <laughs> some of it we bring on ourselves by our by our foolish engagement with culture. Uh, some of it's from a culture that is increasingly post-Christian. But are we willing? Are we willing to lay it all on the line, to be all in? Body, soul, and Spirit in life or in death, taking up our cross daily and following Jesus as a part of the call to be disciples who make disciples. Those are some things I've been, I've been rolling around in my my heart and my mind, and I don't have the obvious application yet, except reluctantly to say, maybe we need to get on our knees a little bit more. And I say it reluctantly because when I interned, it was very interesting. I was, I was preaching one time on internship and the pastor said, "You can preach on anything you want. as long as it isn't, you know the, the core message of of the, the the sermon isn't believe more, pray more, serve more, give more." and And that was good advice for a young you know a young preacher not to kind of go that way, but I sometimes think maybe the message today to God's people where we're finding it tough going, when we're not seeing people saved, when we're not seeing people delivered and healed, maybe part of it is to humble ourselves before the Lord, to fast and pray and call out to him to do what only he can do. And maybe by not making that the baseline, we are setting the bar too low. So I present these thoughts for your consideration. Thanks for listening. Hope to have Tim back on the Disciple Making Podcast again before too long. God bless. And press on. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to IMAKEDISCIPLES.com or ChristFollowerDNA.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.